Small businesses are the backbone of the economy and the heart of communities across Canada. They represent our innovative spirit, our diverse cultures, and our common needs. In support of the small businesses who tirelessly keep our economy growing and those who proudly carry their products, this is Barcodes and Beyond, an original podcast brought to you by GS1 Canada for anyone interested in small businesses and entrepreneurship. Welcome, I'm your host, Teddy Wilson. The small business community is made up of dreamers and doers who expertly adapt, pivot, and innovate to keep their businesses growing. And with the increase of Canadian consumers flocking to the internet for their shopping needs, the demand for brands to have online presence has never been greater. But how do small businesses ensure their customers have the same experience online as in-store? This is where GS1 Canada can help provide partners with the specific data they need to eliminate missed listing opportunities. In this episode of Barcodes and Beyond, we explore the key to growing your business with our guest, mushroom aficionado and president of Power Plant Superfoods, Inc., Matt Dean Pettit. Okay, so Matt, let's start with a question that I've admittedly never asked anybody before. Tell me about your passion for functional mushrooms. How did this start? I'm a chef by trade. Uh, I've been around restaurants and, you know, food for now 30 years. Right. As a chef, you know, I'm a believer of, of trying to understand food for what it's used and its, its background, its, its history. So I generally, if I'm interested in something, I sort of go on a real rabbit hole and I, I deep dive. Functional mushrooms, it started all around sort of COVID. It was really about discovering sort of natural medicine, just as me to put in my own body. What exactly are functional mushrooms good for? What can they do for us? Yeah, so functional first being legal mushrooms. So let's start with chaga. Chaga is typically found here in Ontario or in Quebec. It's a mushroom and fungus that's been here for you know thousands of years. I talk about the indigenous community using this naturally forever. Put it into teas, put it into tinctures. When you think of chaga, I want you to think of like defense. It is an immune booster. So it is taking like your vitamin C times 10 is chaga. Wow. Lion's mane is for your cognitive focus, clarity, really zoning in, which we all need. And then the third one is Rishi. Mm-hmm. Rishi is something to really just tone you down, help you chill, go to sleep. Those are literally as simple as that. Yeah. How do you go from that interest in mushrooms to saying, I'm going to start a business around it? I found functional mushrooms. I was like, how do I use them? How do I put them into teas, coffee, stock, stuff that, you know, that I'll consume? I started doing it. I started playing with it. I'm a chef. I started making, you know, tinctures and potions and all these kind of funky things. Mm-hmm. As I started building this out, there's other people that are thinking like me, one from a business side, two from a community and a customer base. So I called two of my best friends that I've known for 30 years, Ryan Warnock and Mark Froud. Shout out to the guys. One is a coffee roaster and one lives in Copan, Honduras with his wife and uh, young son. And they are coffee experts. And I said, wait a second, what do we consume as we're doing this show together, Teddy? You just took a sip of coffee, I believe. I did. Right. No mushrooms in this one. Well, we'll get you some. That's okay. Nobody's perfect. But you know, you had a sip of coffee. It's true. Canadians consume more coffee per day than they do water. Hmm. I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's probably not a good thing. It's a bad thing, actually. We should be drinking our water. Drink your water, everybody. But with that being said, there's a consumer base. So what do we do? Let's put these great, healthy, 
items such as functional mushrooms in stuff that we consume every day. Coffee. We drink it. So let's really focus there. Mark and Ryan, that's the business they were in. I said, boys, holy bleep, I think I've got something here. So it sounds like the initial factor was your interest in mushrooms, and then you thought, what can I use as the conduit? And the coffee came from the fact that it is so prevalent, Mm -hmm. and you knew a few people in that business. Does that kind of sum it up? No, that's it. I'm a big believer of keeping things within your circle. Mark literally lives in the sustainable organic coffee fields with his family, Hmm. and he is with the farmers every day. That's his life. That's my network. So it was really from a passion to an idea on a piece of paper to calling round table real quick, execution, let's go. You definitely have something here. And you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. How did your past business experiences help you this time around with with this business? Everything's on the entrepreneur. Everything is on the individual or a team. You know, we've got to wear multiple hats. You have to be really super nimble. Going back to COVID, it taught us to be, again, that P word, right? Everybody talked about the pivot. Yeah. You know, I was going to say pivot. There was pivoting all day as a entrepreneur in any situation, any small business that you're in, you have to learn to really move quick. The experience taking it from my previous life is that you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You have to take risks. All these things sound so cliche, but it is the exact DNA of an entrepreneur. I've been there. Exactly. Right. You, but we've got to pick ourselves off the floor, learn from it and keep going. And it's like, okay, what can we do maybe different? Or what's the situation for the next opportunity? You know, so I think it's like always trying to just keep going, pushing. So as I continually grow and build out these businesses, such as Power Plant Superfoods, you know, it is about surrounding myself with the best people to know really what they're doing. I know some of your past businesses were not focused around Mm e-commerce. This business now is very much focused around e-commerce. So how has that helped you grow your business? And when I say grow, I don't mean the actual mushrooms. (laughs) I mean the business. (laughs) I've had restaurants. I've sold products in national grocery stores throughout North America all the chains, Loblaws, Sobeys, you know, these are products that are tangible products that are in a grocery store. Again, the world changed very quickly Mm. with the pandemic that has forced North America to change the way we shop, to change the way we buy, the way we look online. Right. Businesses in turn had to react. You know, I think I heard a stat again, you know, don't, uh, don't quote me the exact number, but I think e-commerce would have had to take 10 years was done in like seven months in terms of the learning process. Right. For you as a consumer and me as a company. I had to teach myself to do everything. People still love to go to the store and there's nothing wrong with that. But you want to have offline and online. So, you know, we're selling power plant coffee to people in Australia. You know, without these tools, I would never be able to do that. And more and more people are, as from a consumer side, they're feeling comfortable. My mom buys everything. She'll buy online like crazy now. Yeah. You know, pre-pandemic, would she have done that? Maybe not. I actually can tell you she wouldn't. But she now comfortably does, right? My sister, same situation. They represent a lot of people. They represent a lot of people, right? And again, e-commerce doesn't have to be for a millennial or a young person. There's people of all ages. So you've got a product that you're passionate about, but then how do you take it from there to getting it into people's hands? It's like entrepreneur 101, how do I start, right? So idea, start developing it. Maybe you're in your basement, your shed, your what backyard, whatever you're doing, your home office. You've come up with your great idea. You've got your, your brand names. You then, you go on something like GoDaddy, Power Plant Superfoods. Is it there? See if it exists. So, boom, great. I grab that. You sign up. Now that's one subscription you have. You buy the domain name. You buy the domain name. Hmm. Now you look at your business model. Am I going to go to retail or am I going to go to direct to consumer? So D2C, which is selling, again, e-commerce. In our case, we went both sides because I believe you should be in both avenues. And I don't mean that you need to be in the largest grocery store overnight. It could be an independent shop. So it could be a couple corner stores. Got to get the product out because again, people try things 
where they see it. Uh-huh. The experience is there, and then they go online and they buy it at home and they ship it to their place. So you want to then, so direct to consumer, you need to set up a Shopify account, for example, which I did. I had to teach myself. So I literally, with this, wanted to teach myself. You then get that purchase order. Where How am I shipping it? In our case, and I recommend this to people, whether it's selling something light, T-shirts, coffee, something of the nature where you don't want to do the day-to-day task, you set up a 3PL, like a third-party logistics company, 3PL. So we have a 3PL where we are here in Toronto. Somebody orders anywhere in the world, the, the order goes to them and me. Their team picks it, meaning mm-hmm. takes that coffee bag, puts it in a box or a bag. We use environmentally friendly packaging, gets put in, sent, address, packing slip, gone. They do that for us for a fee. You have to look at those numbers and make sure that works into your budget. Right. Because again, the one thing I will say with direct consumer, you're paying for somebody to do that in a 3PL, but remember, you're no longer paying somebody on retail that same margin. So understanding your margin. Now the product is being shipped all over, and then the rest is like building out a strong marketing campaign, have great photography, clear messaging, and I'm sort of really simplifying things here, but you know, for people that want to be in retail, you have to start knocking on doors. And you're just going to have to knock on doors. Some people say yes. Most will say no Yeah. in the beginning. Most say no. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Because once you establish it, they come back. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Sample. Liquid on lips or any tasting. If you own a t-shirt company, drop some off. Right. Handwritten notes. Yeah, personal touch. You know, personal touch, right? Find your messaging. Find your story. You have to have products in places so people can touch, try it, and have these touch points. And then from a direct-to-consumer and online e-commerce model is exactly how we can grow our business. You have to set yourself apart. All sorts of challenges to building a business from the ground up. What are the specific challenges in terms of selling commodity items? So coffee is a commodity, just for everybody that does not know that. It fluctuates just like, you know, the dollar. It goes up and down. So we use 100% organic Honduran coffee. So from Honduras, from Copen, and it fluctuates just like Brazil. goes up and down. People buy and sell. Yeah. I will say this my good friend Teddy, that we, part of our business model is because Mark lives in Copan, my partner, he actually has a direct single trade, hand-to-hand relationship with these farmers now for 10 years. Right. So we buy direct trade. Direct trade means that we do not purchase from a commissary or a a company. We purchase directly from the farmer itself that then is importing it to our logistics company. Logistics company delivers it to us. So we're not using these middle people, so to speak. Yeah. Because in in any kind of business, the more hands, the more people that they have their hands in the pie, the more expensive it is, right? Everybody has to take their margin. Right. We sell that bag of coffee at a good price because we don't have that same markup that a retailer per se would be in. And this can insulate you to some degree from the fluctuations of commodities. Exactly. Right. So you're great at a brand identity and at branding. So how much focus have you put into branding online and building that online branded presence? Thank you for, for saying I, I brand well, I guess. is uh, It's true. It, thank you. It's so important, right? You have only a couple seconds that somebody's either going to look on their phone, be engaged, whether they see it in a store, the talk point, um, the name, everything has to connect. So I think, you know, how have we really online pushed that is... Again, like I always say to people, you have to have some really cool, and I use the word cool loosely, but you have to have really great edgy on brand with what you're doing, on point, direct messaging, call to action, 
social media, of course, right? You've got to have that presence because, again, everyone's Instagram, everyone's Twitter, if you will, maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent, but, you know, even Facebook, of course, certainly something like TikTok now, right? Uh-huh. If, you know, as you know, if you're not on these platforms from a person, a brand, a company, that's where people look as your business card. Yeah. They hear that. So it's like, hey, power plant, what is it? Oh, cool. You can be anywhere in the world and pull up Instagram right now and you go on and you see power plant superfoods. You have an idea and you're like, okay. And I've used this, this, this statement of perceptions reality. And I don't mean that in a slimy way. Right. I mean that in a way of if you're reading and seeing online what our brand positioning is, I want you to get it quickly. I want you to know, believe, and feel trust that you're getting a great organic coffee in our case or in functional mushrooms. You're getting everything that you love in a coffee cup, but you're getting it with healthy benefits. Uh-huh. And we try to convey that message very cleanly, very simple, but in a fun way. You know, you've got to be hip. You've got to be on it. Can you tell me a bit about how GS1 Canada has helped you on your journey? So for me and our company in Power Plant Superfoods, GS1 Canada has really helped us in the fact that we wanted to grow. We went from testing pop-ups, farmer's market, influencer campaigns, getting it to people. Okay, that's great. But then when you want to get to the next level, whether it be in retail and even selling direct to consumer, somebody like a partner like Amazon or whatever it might need, you have to have these codes. You have to have these GTIN codes. You know, you need to work with GS1 Canada. Uh It's just that natural evolution in the business. And not every entrepreneur has to do it day one. But again, we talk about planning and being ready for the next step, right? Planning for these things, it has been imperative for us. And for me, truthfully, coming from using the exact example with Power Plant Superfoods, GS1 Canada has been a great partner in the ride. The customer service, incredible. Myself or Ryan or any of our partners have called many times. And it's like, I am stuck. I would call and I'd be like, I don't know what to do here. How do I register this piece over here? And they'll walk you through. That's cool. Yeah. That can be a bad feeling being stuck. It's horrible. Yeah. And like, again, it's, it's especially from a, a service base where like, I don't write codes. I don't know anything about it. I'm not a coder. I don't know how to move things around. And I, I know how to brand, market, sell, make you a great cup of coffee mm-hmm. or a protein shake or a seltzer. Yeah. But again, as a small business owner, you don't know how to do that stuff. Do you think it's important if somebody's thinking about starting a business to start from a position of passion to focus on a thing that you are outside of business interested in or fascinated by in the same way that you got fascinated by mushrooms? As an entrepreneur, you have to be passionate about what you do and find that thing that you think, as I said, the aha moment where it's like, okay, can we make a business out of this? You might make the best butter tarts in the world and you want to sell them all over the world, but is there a business why are you different? What is going to make your butter tart stand out? What is your branding? What is your name? What's your hook? What's your catch, right? Yeah. There's got to be. And that's like the, that's sort of the brass tacks of any small business, mm-hmm. especially if you're speaking of e-commerce, because there's just a, a gazillion things out there. For a business owner listening, who's maybe going through some growing pains with their business, you've gone through growing pains with your business. What's your best advice for, for dealing with those challenging times? Yeah. I would always say, you know what? Plan for a rainy day. Entrepreneurs have a habit of getting really excited. Uh But from a financial side, again, it's a business, whether you're an individual as a company and a corporate corporation as a freelancer, or you've got 50 employees or a thousand employees, you really have to plan for that rainy day. And that necessarily doesn't have to just mean capital as in cash flow, but it could mean inventory. It could be how you treat your staff, how you treat yourself. Those rains will always come, right? The rains will always come. It is a punching bag game. Mm-hmm. It's like being a boxer, right? It's like you're out there battling. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're the boxer, sometimes you're the bag. That's right. No, but celebrate the wins. 
celebrate the wins. You have to because there is days that you're just like, I don't want to do this. Because that's just, it's, 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 a, it's a tough business. With that being said, when you do hit those milestones, when you do hit those wins, you celebrate it. Yeah. It's going to rain one day, so celebrate a sunny day. That's it. <laughs> sunny where we are today. I'm celebrating it. Awesome. I should be wearing shorts. <laughs> Matt, such an awesome story and journey that you've been on. Thanks so much for sharing it with us. Thanks, Danny. Hello, I'm Eileen McDonald, CEO and President of GS1 Canada. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. For more information on how GS1 Canada can help you get started, keep listening. We are here as a trusted strategic partner to support businesses like yours. Our next guest is a longtime grocery specialist with a keen eye for innovations and upcoming trends. She's the Director of Merchandising, Health, and Beauty for Save on Foods, Sierra Johnston. Hey, Sierra, welcome to Barcodes and Beyond. Hey, Teddy, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. It's great to have you here. So first off, I want to ask you, how do small businesses like Matt's maximize their growth potential? First and foremost, I really think that knowing their growth goals and then really defining those growth goals, whether it's you know a sales target, a volume target, or just trying to expand maybe geographically to new locations, know what your growth goals are, and then what the limitations or challenges there may be around those growth goals. Mm-hmm. And then the next step would be what the plans are to promote your product. How are you going to connect with that customer via demos, giveaways, maybe there's some social media support. How are you going to connect and engage that customer? And then finally, what does your competitive landscape look like? You know, who are you competing against? What are they doing really, really well? Is that an area that you want to play in or do you want to differentiate yourself from that? And then how do you differentiate yourself so that you can be competitive? One area that's so important is online presence. So tell me about a few of the challenges that small businesses face when they're trying to stand out and be relevant online. I think a big challenge is going back to the competitive landscape. Right. Matt, I think, touched on everyone's online, right? We had that big shift to e-commerce through COVID. And I think everybody has some sort of online customer source. So I think that One of the challenges is really knowing how are you going to get in that customer's eye? How are you going to engage with the customer through online? In the store, it's simple. It's product placement on the shelf, or it's maybe having some promotions and a price tag on the shelf, whereas online is a bit more challenging. So I always recommend that a lot of companies really look at their search engine optimization. What are those key words? And if someone's looking for something like functional mushrooms, is your site going to come up when someone types that in and Googles it. How much emphasis should businesses put on marketing budgets to support their growth? I think your marketing budget really has to depend on how you're going to reach that customer. Yeah. If you're going online, then yes, absolutely. You might want to invest in some targeted ads, or you might want to invest in some of the search engine optimization tactics. Whereas if you're a bit more grassroots and you just want to connect with little Mrs. Jones, then maybe it's just going out to the local farmer's market and it's not going to cost you very much to market it. Find out where Mrs. Jones shops, right? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like you keep coming back to that notion of, you know, know thy customer. It seems so important. How do emerging businesses and small businesses learn about their customers? 
Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, there's always a reason why you've started a business. Right. Right? So if it's something that you're interested in, so let's say Matt said functional mushrooms, this is something that he knows has a lot of health benefits. Uh-huh. You can really map out what type of customer would be looking for those health benefits. What are they shopping? Maybe it's a vegan customer. And what are they buying and what type of customer that is? And then you work to define who that customer is. And if it's, you know, Sandy, who's 32 to 34 years old, and she does her shopping, you know, every weekend at the local farmer's market, then how do you connect with Sandy? Yeah. So giving somebody a personality and then really building all of your strategy and your marketing and your plans around that individual as your primary customer. We just heard from Matt about how partnering with GS1 Canada helped his brand and his journey. How important is that partnership with them on your end of the business? Oh, that's incredibly important. As a grocery retailer, every product needs codes Mm. and they need codes that are functional. So that's been really, really important. I know that we partner very closely with GS1 for things and they've been amazing partners to work with. So Matt is working with his business in a product space that's very of the moment. You might even call it trendy. A lot of people are talking about mushrooms these days. What are some of the pitfalls that he and other business owners working in more trendy spaces should be aware of as they move forward? I think the initial thing is educating the customer about a trendy business. I didn't know that much about functional mushrooms. I know that it's something that's trending. I know that I'm seeing it more in grocery stores. I'm seeing it more online. But until Matt shared what each mushroom was and what it was good for, I as a consumer wouldn't know what mushroom would work for me. Uh I think a large part of the challenge with a trendy business is to really engage your customers and be able to educate them about why they would maybe need this product or what is the use. One of the other challenges is is that trendy businesses that either continue to grow and they become something that's a long-term trend or they fade out and both have their challenges. If it continues to grow, you're going to experience more competition. Kombucha was something that I never saw on the shelves 10 years ago. And then as soon as it became trendy, all of a sudden there's hundreds and hundreds of kombucha suppliers out there fighting for that space, Uh you know? So I think that that's where really creating that customer loyalty and really building that customer base from the ground level can help you stand out in the future when there's more competition. You can tell by talking to him, and I'm sure you could tell by listening too, Matt is a master pitcher. He's really good at pitching. So for you though, what are you looking for when you're receiving pitches? We get a lot of pitches for new products, new innovations. And of course, you know, everyone's very passionate about it, but it's, are you willing to stand behind your product? Are you willing to support that product once it gets onto the shelf and then going into the future? I think of one of probably the best examples is we work with a a small supplier based out of Vancouver and they do hot sauce and a very, very small family run operation. But this family goes into stores You know, three years after being put on the shelf, they go into stores, they demo their product, they talk to their customers, and they'll travel all the way across provinces to do the same thing in every single store location. Right. So it's that type of commitment that we look for as far as support and what suppliers we would be looking to bring on. Uh, Any kind of final thoughts or final pieces of advice that you'd like to share today? 
I think one thing that we find, especially small businesses are challenged with, is that because they're so passionate about their product and they want to get it to every single store, they want to get it out everywhere, is just the challenges of maintaining that growth and maintaining that supply. Mm-hmm and making sure that, you know, they can get it out to those areas. When you're small, that's that's easy. You're able to kind of manage maybe your growth. But once you go into, let's say, a large retailer, yeah, it's really important to know, you know, do you have the supply to cover it? Will you be able to keep up with the demand? Do you have the packaging resources to be able to continually supply you know, 200 to 1,000 retail stores? Um, if your product's in there. They need to have realistic growth expectations. There's expectations for volume that sometimes small retailers have a, have a challenge with. That's great. That's good advice for businesses. Sierra, thanks so much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, Teddy. Hello again. It's Eileen. Thanks for listening to Barcodes and Beyond. In this episode, we heard how Matt's partnership with GS1 Canada has helped his business grow. He talked about the challenges he faced, not only getting started, but also getting his products to market. Selling with a retailer and building an e-commerce website to expand his business, Matt experienced firsthand the value of working with GS1 Canada to take his business to the next level. The need for visibility on e-commerce platforms has really accelerated over the last few years, and it's more important than ever to ensure you're providing the specific content retailers and other distributors require for selling online. In 1973, industry leaders came together to revolutionize grocery retail with the GS1 barcode. Since the introduction of the first barcode, now over 50 years ago, Business needs and consumers' demand for more detailed product information has increased significantly. And we've been innovating ever since by adapting to the changing needs of industry and consumers. Today, advancements in technology have enabled the development of a new generation of smaller, two-dimensional GS1 barcodes like QR codes and the data metrics to meet business needs for faster access to more detailed product information These tiny barcodes are the gateway to creating new opportunities to improve trust, safety, and sustainability for consumers, patients, and the planet in the near future. We continue to support the growth of Canadian small businesses by listening to your needs and providing trusted guidance, tools, and resources. Be sure to check in for more Barcode and Beyond episodes and follow GS1 Canada on social media for updates on new small business opportunities. Thanks again for listening. I'm Teddy Wilson. Thanks so much for listening. This is Barcodes and Beyond, an original podcast series for small businesses brought to you by GS1 Canada, a not-for-profit association committed to providing small businesses with trusted tools and support to successfully bring their products to market. To learn how GS1 Canada can help you start and grow your small business, go to gs1ca.org.